Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Let's dive into this week's top stories. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing well this week. How are you? Fantastic. I know we're covering three stories in the podcast, but you guys did a lot more during the week, so we'll, we'll talk about those a little bit later. Where are we starting today? So we got three pieces. One, just an update on the ever-unraveling Sears saga, which seems like <laughs> it's been going on forever. The Sears um, of our lives kind of thing. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll start there. Then we had a piece based on um, some new data on what institutional investors are doing with the space inside of commercial real estate. And then lastly, some interesting data outside from out of the Boston area on leasing in the life sciences sector and a potential signal for what that might mean for a recession, actually. So wow. kind of an interesting report that we got out that, that came out of one of the brokerage companies out of out of that area. All right. So now we're, we're starting with Sears. So yes. getting right into the soap opera stuff. All right. Yeah. Let's start with the, let's start with the, you know, yeah, the, the, the saga, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is the latest news? The latest is that um, the executives, so, you know, Sears, you know, went through the bankruptcy. They got some emergency financing. They're now owned by a parent company called Transform Hold Co., which now you know they they they're they're kind of through the restructure bankruptcy restructuring. But it doesn't really seem like we have still much clarity on what. Um, if there's a, if there's a turnaround possibility here, so what they're signaling is that you know that although they're not ruling out, they're not ruling out doing any more more store store closures, which you know we've already had. I mean, it just seems like every year or every six months there are Sears and Kmart more more Sears and Kmart store closings. Um, so there might be more of those. Um, they haven't ruled that out, so that that's one piece of it, and. Secondly, just more broadly from that, you know, they've they've had the financing packages. They have borrowed about $150 million to help keep them going. But, you know, just overall, there's not much signs of life in their actual business. They don't really have a place in the current retail landscape. And it doesn't seem like that's happening any anytime soon. Um, we had a couple of, of you know, Talking to the consultants on this is is always interesting because they they t- they they don't pull they don't pull their punches. I wanted to actually read a couple of the quotes um, from the folks that we talked to. One was this guy Neil Saunders, who's the managing director at a research firm called uh, Global Data Retail. Uh, he said, you know, despite going through the bankruptcy process, the business is still not on a sustainable path. It appears to be in the exactly the same position as it was before, albeit as a smaller entity with less debt. In many ways, this is not surprising. And then we also had a quote from Paula Rosenblum, who's the co-founder of Retail Systems Research, which is another market intelligence company. And she said, this remains the biggest scam I've ever experienced in over 30 years in the retail industry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah. No, she... she um, she was not holding back. I can't believe Mr. Lampert was allowed to get away with it, frankly. 
He's just continuing to pass the carcass of this dead body around after extracting <laughs> most of the value for his other companies. Oh, man. So I, I like Paula. She shoots straight from the hip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's always nice when, you know, you get people's unvarnished opinions and uh, on on something like this. Yeah. I, I just I, I'm I'm just surprised that Sears is still around. I mean, how long have they been going through this? I had a young man that worked there for probably 5 years and it was it was just going down quickly while he was working there. We we heard about it all the time and that was 10 years ago. Yeah. And then they just fired a lot of people. They closed stores around here and I don't even know if there is a Sears around me anymore. To be honest. I know. Yeah. We cover all, obviously, all parts of commercial real estate, but I started specifically covering just retail real estate uh, about 20 years ago. And, like, at that point, I feel like was the start of this, mm-hmm. you know, Sears is in trouble. And, I mean, I, and at that point, I remember we weren't that far removed from Sears still being the largest retailer in the country. I think Walmart only surpassed them to become the largest U.S. retailer, like sometime in the 1990s. Mm. Uh, up until that, you know, for the previous, whatever, like 50 years, Sears was the number one retailer. And then, you know, I, I, losing, I mean, what's happened to them, I think is just indicative of what's, of what's happened to the department store space in general. It's just, um, it's not a new story. It's just, you know, they lost market share to, they lost market share and they lost business lines to all the big box stores that emerged in the nineties department stores in the U S largely just became fashion retailers mm-hmm. um, more than anything else. But then, you know, if that's the business, then, you know, you're finding your niche in that um, there, we know who's successful, who's not at this point, you know, like the, 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 just, you know, Walmart rules um, target rules at, at lower price points, the lug, some of the, the luxury department stores are doing okay. The idea of like middle market department store chains, just, you know, those are the ones that have, it's just that they've always suffered. The, the more amazing thing at this point is the fact that they're still around. And of course they did, they bought Kmart, you know, the, the, the other chain that was mm-hmm. struggling, um, putting two struggling chains together didn't somehow magically work. <laughs> so, um, and then, yeah, I think as, as, as Paula said, it's, at the end of the day, it seems like you know there's just been a, a there's been a long play for Eddie Lampert. You know, he, I I can't even remember when he entered the picture on Sears. It's been years and years and years, but it's just been this steady run of new strategies, new this, new that. But at the end of you know, without actually turning anything around. But his holding companies and everything else have done fine. You know, like they've extracted value out of the real estate. They've done various other things. It's just as a retail business, there's just there's never been any any traction. Yeah, I'm just. I really want to know who the person is that secured that $150 million, <laughs> the loans that you were talking about, because that person was amazing to get $150 million <laughs> from whoever. And then I'm thinking, who who are the people that gave over that $150 million? What were they thinking? Uh, well, I mean, Lampert was one of the lenders lending money back to the business. I mean, I think, you know, there's still... <laughs> There's been a long process of them monetizing their real estate. I don't know what they still have left, um, but there may be enough in, you know, like even just breaking up a company, there may be enough monetizable assets and to maybe, justify even that kind of financing, even if their retail operations are are, are no-go. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
We'll see. That's what if yeah, it just seems like that's what we've been. I don't think anybody's had any illusions that that Tears is gonna have a turnaround strategy, yeah. but it is just sort of this amazing story in a way that it's lasted this long that they've managed to, that they've for they've they've forestalled the actual end of the line for this long, despite the fact that you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, see, you, you don't know where the closest Sears to you is. I'm not sure where the, you know, I'm sure there's there's a Sears somewhere in northern New Jersey <laughs> near me. I don't know the last time I set foot in it. Yeah, and you know? honestly, not to sound crass or, or just rude, I, I don't miss it. I didn't shop yeah. there a whole lot. The one I miss is Radio Shack because they had stuff that <laughs> I can't find anywhere else. Anyway, that's a whole yeah. other story. But yeah, I, I'm, they've been, Sears has been doing this death rattle for quite some time. So yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to cover with Sears uh, besides maybe the coffin? No, that's no. Uh, that's it. Unfortunately. All right. All right. What's our next story? So switching gears, something more positive. A new report from um, Hodis Weil and Cornell University. They put out this annual report. That's a really good monitor of what's happening with institutional investors, like. They actually get responses from more than 200 of these big institutions. We're talking like things like the California State uh, Teachers Retirement System, um, the Norway's pension, you know, these huge pension funds, um, national, international, sovereign wealth funds, folks that have institutions that have a tremendous amount of money that then, you know, allocate. And then what they find out is okay, so of all of your investable, Tart, you know, for when you're figuring out what what you're going to invest for the coming year, how much of it is geared towards commercial real estate? What are your target returns for it, et cetera, et cetera? So, it's again, like I think I mentioned in last week, when looking at just foreign money in general, um, when we're looking at institutions like this that are not someone that's completely devoted to commercial real estate, seeing it. They're, they, they're, it's good to see what their attitudes toward the sector are since, the, since they are discretionary. Um, so what, and then, so on that front, on that buildup, the news is good. The fact that basically um, the respondents to, to the survey, to the most recent survey, found that on balance, institutional investors in, uh, continue to increase their allocations to real estate. Now it's up to about their on average for these, the ones that they talk to, it's about 10.5% of their portfolio is now um, targeting real estate. That's up 10 basis points compared to a year ago. And then looking back over a number of years, it's, it, there's just been a steady increase. You know, at, I think they're averaging about 10 to 20 basis points per year if you look at some of their past years of their survey. So every, you know, just increasing... Um, how much money they're targeting in commercial real estate, and then within that, um, finding some you know some interesting stories and patterns. So, for example, they found that looking at next year, about seventy percent of the institutions they they talk to expect to maintain the allocations they have at their current level, while another twenty four percent plan to increase their allocations even further. Mm. So, there's no sign of any pullback. And then in, in terms of looking at regions and investment strategies, North America remains the most popular um, market for investment, preferred by 92% of institutions that are investing in real estate. They're looking at North America. After that, there's Europe at 70, about 73%, the UK, 61%, Asia, 40%. 
Australia, 36%, and emerging markets, 23%. And then in terms of investment strategies, they're kind of pretty favorable across the board. But I think, um, you know, so there's some that are focusing on core real estate, but then there's also pretty heavy interest still in value-add real estate and uh, opportunistic plays. So, yeah, so that's kind of like what, you know, what what some of these really big managers of money mm-hmm. are thinking. David, is there anything specific that you want to kind of highlight out of this report? Yeah, they had some um, interesting examples of what a couple of, of, of what some of these bigger funds are doing. For example, the California State Teachers Retirement System, which I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, had one of the reported one of the largest increases in there in allocations towards toward real estate. Um, like up, upping their target by 200 basis points to the fact to to being 15% of their target allocations are now commercial real estate. Um, meanwhile, the Norway's um, government pension fund had one of the biggest drops where they went from having 5% of their funds allocated to real estate down to 3%. So, you know, those are just some interesting examples of funds making relatively large changes in their allocations. But like I said, you know, even though like, you know, Norway stepped back on balance, the overall picture from these 200 institutions was increasing their, slightly increasing their allocations in the sector. So that's, that's kind of the remains the, the major takeaway from this. Got it. Got it. All right. What's our third story today? So this was an interesting piece. Basically a lot of this is based on some insights from Collier's International's uh, office in the Boston area, where according to their director of research um, in that region, Aaron Jodka, he noted that there, you know, like he pointed, the recent statistics are showing that there's some negative absorption in the Boston area markets for the life sciences space. You know, and the region, that's one of the top life sciences markets in the region. I mean, in the country, there's a ton of lab space there. It's partly because, you know, with MIT, Harvard, all all these, you know, heavy duty Mm -hmm. universities in the area producing a lot of brain power, there's just a a huge market for developing companies that are doing a lot of life sciences research, you know, near those campuses. So it's it's kind of an important market to look at when it comes to life sciences in general. So the fact that, like, that there's been negative absorption is a potential red flag because he's noted that that other times when the market has had that kind of negative absorption, it's been followed by a recession. Hmm. Hmm. That doesn't sound good. No. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's one of these things though, where it's like, you know, similar. It's. It's historically that's what happened. You know, this is what's happened. So it's a potential thing to be aware of. However, you know, there are some caveats. In in our interview with him, he said, you know, while there's negative absorption, it doesn't feel like the sky is falling as conditions here are quite strong. And so it's also like what we're talking about here, you know, the actual you know, the actual negative absorption was 150,000 square feet for the third quarter. So it's just barely negative compared to that to um, 2009, when there was like, you know, the apocalypse happening, there was a, a negative absorption of a million square feet. So yeah. we're talking about what's potentially a blip and not necessarily like, you know, the way that, you know, I'm interpreting what he's told us and what we're saying is that like, 
hey, this is something to be aware of. You know, the vacancy rate tipped up, ticked up in this market. Um, there's negative, a little bit of negative absorption. Historically, this has been a bad sign. However, this is not, you know, we're not on the scale yet of like what we saw in the past. So it could be one of these like correlation causation kind of things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, you know, in the past, this has meant one thing, but it's not necessarily like something that we should be like, oh my God, there's this negative absorption that happened and it necessarily means why it's going to happen. Yeah. It's it's like you said, something that, be aware of it's on the radar slightly, but it's like cloud cover instead of a tornado coming through um, yeah. just something to watch. So that, that'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Unfortunately, you and I've talked about different signs before. And so right. we don't like to add up all the signs. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was part of his observation too. I mean, you know, we had the, th- we had the instance of the inverted yield curve that mm-hmm. happened, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, which has historically been, historically has happened before we've had recessions. You know, there are issues like overall economic growth, which has been moderating, slowing job growth, the trade war in China, mm-hmm. um, the you know manufacturing index. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons to be cautious, um, I think in the market, but whether, you know, when, if, how deep um, the recession, I think that's for smarter people than, than me to figure out or me. So I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right. Anything else on this story that we want to cover? No, that that's basically it. And like, you know, this piece along with all the, the previous pieces, you know, folks can go to the website, nreionline.com, read the full articles, see um, more quotes, more insights um, with a couple of these pieces. We also have interactive charts. Like we have an interactive chart on the, on the, um, on this Boston piece that shows, the historical absorption trends going back over years that that Collier's provided to us. So um, there's just some interactive things that that people can check out as well to um, to dive further into all three of these pieces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know we got a couple other headlines that you wanted to go over, and those are things that we've actually touched on a little bit before. You want to share uh, what those two headlines are? Yeah. So there's all we have an update on just what's happening with affordable and workforce housing, which is an issue. I think we've pointed to in the past, just mm-hmm. the, pre- the 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 need for that kind of housing in the market, um, and just an update on while you know there's been some ticks up, it's still not there's still far more demand than there is supply uh, for that kind of housing supply. And then secondly, just an update on what's going on with student housing investment, um, and just investors still continue to pursue those assets, but prices are you know pr- prices have been going up and. There's some concern about whether we're approaching the peak in the, the peak in the cycle for that property sector now too. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, they can all find them online. Uh, David, great job today. Thank you so much for covering these headlines. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, for your time and um, have a good weekend. Always a pleasure. And thank you all for listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues and have a nice talk about Sears, and if you've ever seen one or seen one in the last 10 years. Uh, who knows? It's like a phantom ghost thing, right? I, what, what do you call that? Aberration? I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but I'm sure yeah, I'll we're see getting, We're getting towards Halloween, so. Yes. Good. Yes, the yeah. ghost of Sears past. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're rattling their, their craftsman tools. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
anyway. Or are they are they a zombie just hanging on right now? <laughs> that, that's way more appropriate. That's that's in his brain. Okay. Uh, anyway, for everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back next week for all the news that matters to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.